Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hey guys, Darren here, the producer of the show. As always, this episode is brought to you by Digital Marketer. And today, I'm sitting here with Garrett Holmes, who is the Director of Content and Product here at DM. And today, we've got something special going on, haven't we, Garrett? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as we know, holiday season is upon us. So this Black Friday, we've got some amazing deals going on. But more importantly, we've partnered with two amazing organizations and set a goal for ourselves to raise $100,000 to go towards the fight against children's cancer. So this year, we've partnered with a charity called Battle for a Cure, as well as Jackson's Frog Foundation, two amazing, amazing charities here in Texas that focus on making the lives of children who are affected by cancer better, uh, as well as providing funding and, and resources to go out and find a cure for cancer. So we're super excited to partner with with these two amazing foundations and we'd love for you to get involved. All you got to do is head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash Black Friday and 10% of every sale on this page is going to this charities. We've got some amazing deals up to 90% off this year and we're really, really excited that we're able to partner with two amazing, amazing foundations to help fight against children's cancer. So if you'd like to join 10,000 marketers in this fight and shop for a purpose this year, save some money and save a life, head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash Black Friday to check out all the deals. Thank you so much. Brilliant. All right, please come and join us and let's get back to the show. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 176 of Perpetual Traffic. It's Molly Pippen here today, and I'm really excited to welcome a special guest to the show today. Ari is his name, Ari Baga. I've seen Ari uh, (laughs) on the interwebs. 
the past year or so, especially in the mini chat community. And I was really impressed with the value that he was giving the community around conversational commerce. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> What's he doing? And so we asked Ari to speak at MiniChat's Conversations Conference in September, and I had a chance to meet him in person and see him speak on stage. But what was crazy is that I had been impressed with the value that Ari had given the community, but I had no idea about his really impressive resume. So the reason that you should really listen to Ari, other than him being an awesome human, Ari is the founder of ROAS, and it's an e-commerce agency all around conversational commerce. So chatbots, messenger, voice, AR, a lot of the topics we're going to get into today. And Ari has clients like guests, Poopery, which I just learned. That's pretty freaking cool. Uh, <laughs> Beard Club. So really some big brands that are trusting Ari and his team with their conversational commerce. So Ari, I would like to welcome you to the show. Thanks for being here. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, that, really, that was really impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I like for the intros to be from the heart. So that's my perspective on you. <laughs> uh, and and how, how old are you? I know you probably hate people asking this, but uh, <laughs> I'm 22 years old. 22 years old. Wow. That's awesome. You know, I started at Digital Marketer as an intern about a month after my 22nd birthday. And obviously, so grateful because that entered me into this whole world of marketing. Mm -hmm. But at 22, I remember more so like 23, 24, when I had figured some stuff out, people would say like, oh, you're so young. <laughs> like, know, that's like, that's, that's like the first like thing they would say. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but I I'm a marketer too. Like, I know this stuff. <laughs> I know. That's like what I yeah. get all the time. People are like, how old are you? I'm like 22. You're like, you're so young. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> when you feel young, sometimes it's like, oh, I still, I can prove myself. But really when they say that, it's like, it's in astonishment and yeah. respect. And it's like, how did you do this? So I don't know, Ari, if you could just give us, I'm just curious, what is your story? How did you end up with yeah. guests in Poopery and Beard Club at 22? <laughs> awesome. That's a great question. So my family and I actually moved here from a country called Togo in West Africa. It's like a super tiny country. Even if you look up the map of Africa, you're most likely not going to see it because you got to so zoom in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's on the west side of Africa. But I moved here around 10 years ago. But before I moved here, my mom was already here in the U.S. And surprisingly, she won the lottery like in 2003 and moved here. Wow. And then she got a job and that lottery gets her a green card and also citizenship wow. five years after. So changed all of your lives. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. So she brought my brother and I here I think around 2010. And she brought us here to go to school. So we came here, went to middle school. We actually moved to a little bit outside of Chicago. And then after high school, we decided to go to college. Well, I didn't decide to go to college, but my parents made me go to college. And I was going to become a pharmacist. I went to University of San Francis in Indiana to become a pharmacist. And after like a semester, I didn't really like where things were going. <laughs> Are you I was a little like, bored. <laughs> <laughs> this and isn't also, moving fast enough. <laughs> yeah. And also, pharmacy is hard. So 
I was like, maybe this isn't right for me. And at that time too, I was like playing video games a lot. And I would mm-hmm. like to say I'm pretty good at video games. So I'm like, why don't I just like drop out of college and just become a professional video gamer? How did your mom respond? Oh, was- <laughs> 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 uh, you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, so I did drop out after one semester, went back, moved back in with my parents and I set up a Twitch channel. And this was like in 2013 when Twitch was kind of new. Not too many people on Twitch. So I set up a channel and after like a month and a half, I grew to like a thousand followers just playing video games. And I thought it was great. Everything was going well. And if I kept that at that pace, I'll probably have millions of followers. And there are kids right now making half a million dollars a month just by playing video games on Twitch. But my parents at that time were like, hey, you can't make money playing video games. I'm like, you don't understand. People make money. <laughs> People yeah. are going to make money doing this. <laughs> And she was like, no, you can't be in my house and play video games. So I was like, okay, cool. I didn't want to go back to college just yet. So I'm like, what can I do to buy some time? Right. And this was like four years ago, right? Yeah. No, this was like five years ago. This was in 2013. Okay. So I then decided to join the army. So I decided to join the reserve, which means that you go to training for like a year. And then after you come back, you do like one weekend a month of training. So I didn't want to like commit to like, uh, yeah, full, because <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to expect. So I did do that. I went for like a year. After I came back, I decided to try college again, and this time going for computer science. But before the school started that year, I met a friend, Victor Kung, in downtown Chicago. He had a web development job at Accenture, okay. uh, which is like a huge company. Yeah. Uh, and he had like a really nice apartment in downtown Chicago. So I was like, hey, like, what do you do for work? <laughs> <laughs> like, I want, Can I do that too? <laughs> I want that same exact apartment with the view. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, oh, I'm a web developer. And that was like the first time I've ever heard anything anybody say that. I'm like, what does that mean? He's like, oh, I code websites. And I've never heard of anything like that. I was like, what What do you mean you code websites? Like, I never knew that that's how websites were built, where people just type in a bunch of random stuff and it just like shows up on a web browser. So I was like, okay, like, can you send me a little bit more information? And I'd like to learn more. Uh-huh. So he sent me like Envato, Code School, and Treehouse. And I went home and took a little bit of a look at it, but didn't really get started. And then school started. And when I was going to school, I think same thing started to happen again where I was going to English class and they would talk about history and all that other stuff, which I didn't really care about. I was like, hey, I just want to do my coding and computer science and just go home. So when I would go home, I would start like learning how to code from like the websites that my friend sent me. So at one point I was just doing that (laughs) pretty much full time. Like I'll go to class, but like I wouldn't do like any other homework. I just wanted to like strictly focus on learning how to code. And after the semester was over. I'm like, I just want to go full-time learning how to code because I didn't like my English class. I was taking a bunch of other classes that didn't really contribute to like what I wanted to learn. So I decided to drop out for the second time <laughs> uh, and <laughs> go back to my parents' house again, but this time not playing video games, but learning how to code. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I was pretty much learning how to code like every day. Like I would wake up pretty much every day and just code trying to make this stuff happen. Were you just coding to learn or were you already thinking about conversational commerce No, stuff? I was just coding to learn. Yeah, okay, coding I, to time, learn. Okay, cool. Yeah, I didn't get into conversational commerce yet. I didn't get into marketing yet. I was just like trying to figure out how to build cool, a you're website. Just learning it. Yeah. Great. And after a while too, my parents were like, hey, like you can't just like code every day. Is this going to lead 
anywhere do people actually make money doing this stuff <laughs> they're like okay you're yeah. not playing video games but you're still yeah. on the computer <laughs> and you're like mom and dad look at the world they're yeah. all using their exactly. computers <laughs> yeah african parents don't understand that they just want you to be the, a doctor that's pretty much it okay you're not a doctor Regardless how much money you make, they don't care. <laughs> well, I'm sure you've shown them a whole new world now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was uh, coding for a while, and then they're like, okay, you have to do something here. And I think this was around in, yeah, 2015. And I decided to, while coding as well, get a job. I got a sales job, a Comcast, which okay. was interesting. Very. Uh, because it probably I taught to, you like, a lot about customer service. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I learned a lot about customer service, which Comcast is not known for being good at customer service. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the reason why I got the job is because I wanted to invest into a code bootcamp. So they have like these code bootcamps around big cities like Chicago and a bunch of other places where you can basically do a bootcamp. And at the end of the bootcamp, they get you a job for the things that you've learned. So it's like a really cool. great way to get into like bigger companies. When I was at Digital Marketer, we only hired developers from boot camps because yeah. they, it was fresh. And yeah, I think the whole team was from one of those camps. That's cool. Yeah. So that's exactly what I was trying to do. Well, I was doing that job too. So I would still come home and code. And my friend who I met that gave me the resources to learn how to code, hit me back. He's like, hey, I'm starting an agency myself. I'm leaving my Accenture and I'm going to start doing websites. So I got really serious about coding because I knew that he would send me some projects to help him with in a few months. And that's exactly what happened. He sent me a project right towards the end of 2015, which was really awesome. And I got the chance to build my first website completely from scratch nice. uh, and get <laughs> and, uh, paid for it yeah most people don't get paid for that that first 10 yeah. <laughs> yeah so after that project i just quit comcast i was there for like i think six months mm -hmm. and during that time too surprisingly i was like their top salesman for like three months straight which I never expected to be good at sales. <laughs> yeah, that was supposed to happen so you could recognize those sales skills and use them now. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, so I did quit that job and then pretty much went full-time in coding. And after that project, I kind of realized that maybe coding is like not too fun because the clients were a little bit picky. They're like, hey, like mm, you built this website. Can you like change this color? Or like, can you like change this font? I'm like... I can't really do this. It's not something that I really liked. So beginning of 2016, I started to get into e-commerce. I don't remember exactly why, but I started a clothing brand because it's something that I was always wanted to do. Maybe have people wear my stuff. So I started just selling t-shirts. So cool. after launching that, friends, family, they bought. And then I was like, okay, after they bought, now I got to get new people to buy. <laughs> yeah. I can just buy on friends. So I'm like, what do I do? And right around that time, uh, remember that gorilla that died? The Harambe gorilla? Yeah, yeah. Some, yeah. So I was like, okay, this is going super viral. Why don't I make shirts about that? And uh, you just jacked it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was looking around for pages to buy so that I can use those to drive traffic. And everything they were posting was going viral. And basically, I reached out to a couple of them and they all said, no, they are not willing to sell the pages. But two weeks later, one of them hit me back. He was like, hey, I want to sell the page. 
the page had like 40,000 likes and he wanted to sell it for $300. I was like, are you crazy? Wow. Like, <laughs> this is worth like a couple of thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, do you have PayPal? I can PayPal you the money. He was like, no, I'm in India. I don't have PayPal. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to just swipe you $300 right. without you giving me admin access to the page. And he was like, no, I'm really sorry. Like, I really need the money right now. He was like, oh, my parents are sick or something like that. I was like, okay, I don't know if you're going to give me access to the page, but $2,300, I'm going to just take the chance uh, because I know the upside is much bigger. (laughs) So I just did it. And he did give me the Facebook page, which I was really surprised. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Good faith. Good faith. Yeah, I know. And then after he gave me the page, I decided to then use it to drive traffic to the store. And then after... I was driving traffic to the store. After two weeks or so, I started making money. I was making like $300 in profit per day for like three or four weeks, just posting the shirts that I made myself in the comments. And everything I would post was going viral and I didn't have like to do anything for the content. People were just messaging the page with content. So it was great. But after like a month and a half, somebody else messaged me to buy the page. And this is where things kind of go now. Uh, so <laughs> the journey. <laughs> yeah, no. So he he was like, okay, I'm from this agency, and at that time I was like, I think 17, so I didn't really know anything about Facebook marketing or like Facebook business manager or anything like that. So he's like, hey, I want to buy your Facebook page, and I was like, okay, how much are you willing to buy it for? It was like eight thousand dollars, and I looked it up. There was like a calculator that shows you how much your page is worth. So I'm like, okay, you know, what? it kind of makes sense. I would really use this money right now to do other right. things that I want to do. And he was like, okay, can you give me admin access first? I'm like, no, like I can't just give you admin access to my page. Right. Uh, he was like, no, my boss really needs admin access. I'm like, okay, I can, they want to look at the analytics. I'm like, I can make you an analyst. Um, a- analyst. <laughs> yeah. yeah, analyst, but I'm not going to make you admin. And he was like, no, we really need admin access. And if you make somebody admin, I think it's so valid today. They can't remove you within like six days because you're like the original admin. Right, right. So I was like, okay, like I'll make you admin. Like six days is enough time to like, you know, receive give somebody, payment. yeah, receive payment. Right. So I did make him admin access. But at that time, I didn't know about like Facebook Business Manager. Mm. So with Facebook Business Manager, you know, you can claim ownership of the page. Like oh, I've no. never heard of anything yes. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I made him admin access and like they claim ownership of the page and like kick me off. Oh no, Ari. Wow. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Did you just let it go or did you fight it? Yeah. I mean, I asked people and they said like Facebook doesn't really do anything about it. So like, I just didn't like... Yeah. I don't think they have the manpower to... Yeah. So the page was gone. The traffic was gone. So that's when like... It's time to move on. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, okay, what other ways can I start learning about getting users to my site? So I started to like read more about Facebook marketing. And that's when I got into Facebook advertising and things like that. So I just like reading every day and like practicing. Failed so many times, lost pretty much all the money that I had. (laughs) Uh, Sounds about right. It's how you learn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So after that, my friend who had the agency, he wanted to like start an agency around marketing so he can help like small businesses. Uh, And after working with small businesses a while, I just realized that they don't have any money to spend Mm-hmm. It was pretty much like a waste of time. And they were asking for so much. It was just like super stressful. Mm-hmm. And I retired to like move into e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So right when we moved into e-commerce, it was still hard because we didn't know much of what we we're doing. But towards 2017 is when we started to see some success. 
with some of the ads that we were running. And then during that summer, I started to get into personal branding, like speaking at local Chicago events about Facebook marketing, because I pretty much learned so much about it that I know more than pretty much anyone <laughs> that I talk to. So I was talking about Facebook marketing and like doing workshops around Facebook marketing to businesses in Chicago. And around there, I met a business owner that had an e-commerce store. And that was like the first success that we had where we were able to scale it to from a couple thousand a month to 100K a month in just like five months. And during that time, like summer of 2017 is like when I found out about bots. I was just looking through on Facebook, saw an ad from Andrew Warner. I was like, okay, this sounds interesting. Right. And then after looking at the ad, I didn't sign up for anything. I just like went to Messenger and looked up the Domino's bot. And I felt like it was like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, that first experience, you're like, this yeah. is the future and I'm going to yeah. be a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how I found out about bots. And I was like, okay, this sounds really cool. And I started to play around with mini chat. Mm. Surprising, that was like the first platform that I found. And then it was like super easy. I'm like, oh, you don't need to code to build a bot. This is crazy. <laughs> wow, this is easy. <laughs> yeah, it was super easy. You can drag and drop. And I went to a conference around November of that year and showed it to people. People thought like it was the coolest thing ever. Uh-huh. And I was building out like flows. I think that's around that time that Minichat released their flow builder. Yeah. And then I built like a really nice flow and I would post like on my Facebook page. And then I would tell people about it. People were asking me questions about yeah. bots. And that's how I started to get to know you. I was like, yeah. this kid knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. And then Right around that time too, I wanted to like move to LA because I wanted to work with like some of the biggest fashion brands and some of the bigger marketing clients. And I knew that a lot of them were in LA and the marketing community in LA is much bigger than Chicago. And I met one of the fastest growing agencies here in LA. I met their founder at a conference and he was looking for somebody to run their Facebook ads. So I was like, cool. They want somebody to come to work at their office. So that's something that I wanted to do. So I decided to move to LA. I met him like that day and they hired me like two days later. Wow. <laughs> and then I moved to LA two weeks later. So it was like the craziest experience ever. I was talking to my friends and like two weeks later, they heard that I was moving to LA. So, and so yeah. you're working with this agency to do the conversational side of things. No, it was not even that. It was doing ads. And then it was okay. surprising how I got the job as the head of messenger marketing because I was posting those flows and the founder of the company actually found the flows that I was posting and one of their clients wanted to do bots. It was random how it happened. They saw the flows that I built and they're like, oh, Ari can do it. And then I did the first bot and they're like, oh, this is crazy. Like, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. And I pretty much did it for all the clients. They started to sell the service like service. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They sell pretty much every client that was coming in and had like a bot service. And I was the only one <laughs> building all the bots. Wow. So you're uh, like, slow down, yeah. guys. <laughs> so like, I never actually got to do ads. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> so you just immediately went into bots, which you yeah. know, there is an ad side, but okay, cool. So then what happened? Yeah. So around the time too, when I started working there, I was working a lot on my personal brand because working at the agency wasn't like my long-term play. I wanted to actually transition to my own company. And while working there and like building more bots, I got 
really passionate about conversational commerce and pretty much helping businesses reach their customers, build a relationship and sell more through conversations. So I got super focused. They try to get me to do other things, but I'm like, guys, you guys don't understand. I can only do bots. <laughs> yes. So I was just working on bots every single day for like months. And then speaking at events, speaking at 200, 300 people events about conversational commerce, chat bots. And then during the summertime, I decided to transition over to my own company, which is now ROAS. And is that just ROAS.com or yeah, what URL? Uh, ROAS.com. L Y dot L Y fancy. Okay. Yeah. So, so check out Ari at R O A S dot L Y. Yeah. So sorry, Roaz. And because of like the personal brand and the connection that I've been able to build from like the year before providing value in Facebook groups and all those people that knew me, I was able to like move a lot faster than people who are starting these bot agencies. And I didn't make the mistake to go for small businesses. I wanted to go directly with the biggest brands, which is unheard of because when you listen to everybody in the space, they're like, okay, you have to go for the small businesses and then you move on to like the medium size, which never works. I go directly to the biggest brands and that's what I did. And we were able to lend clients like Gas, Poopery and like the Beard Club. So how did you land those clients if you can tell me? Yeah, so it was <laughs> through my content, I met, the head of marketing at Gas, he actually like DM'd me on Instagram on like a random Sunday <laughs> evening. <laughs> it was like, hey, I really like the video that you posted on Facebook. And it was just like a video of me showing how to recover carts with chatbots. And uh-huh. it was like one of the biggest strategies that e-commerce brands can leverage. And he was like, yo, I really liked the video that you posted. You provided a lot of value and you didn't like sell anything. I was like, okay, cool. And <laughs> and you then, just started that relationship. Yeah, we just started that relationship and he moved to LA and we became really great friends. And then we started to talk to his company and then we started to make things happen. So that's how that happens. And that's awesome. another thing that I did is like partnering with other big agencies that has brought me other big clients yeah. because they're already working with those. Yeah. Go where your customers are. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they already built relationships and it was kind of easy to like offer them the service. And that also brought in clients like Poopery and other clients yeah. have come from like the content, speaking at events and like networking events as well. That's awesome, Ari. That's one of the best stories told on Perpetual Traffic, I think. (laughs) Congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. That's really awesome. I can relate in a way, especially going out on your own. It can be scary, but you did it right. Just go ahead first. So sort of transitioning into a little bit about bots and this whole idea of conversational commerce. You said conversational commerce is messenger, chatbots, voice, AR. Obviously, a lot of people hear about chatbots and messenger, especially here on this podcast um, Mm -hmm. and and in relationship to mini chat, especially. But voice and AR, can you just tell me a little bit like what is that (laughs) how does it work (laughs) yeah what should i know so when people think about conversational commerce they think about just chatbots so we think that conversational commerce encompasses chat voice and also ar and i think that they all play together to provide the best experience to customers so we're not always available to text right so sometimes you want to just talk and that's where also voice comes in and when we took a look at that stats for voice, we see that over 20% of searches 
now come from voice and it's supposed to go up to 50% by 2020. So it's very important to also start leveraging voice in your conversational commerce. And there has not been a technology where you can merge both voice and chat yet. That's definitely coming in the future. But I think it's very important to not forget about voice because taking a look at how consumers interact with voice applications right now, I think one in six adults in the U.S. have a voice device in their homes. So it's very important to not forget about voice when it comes to conversational commerce. And guys, just to name some voice, I don't know what you would call them, but what would you call an Alexa? Like, what do people call those, Ari? By voice, I mean Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. There we go. Perfect. So what is marketing like for voice right now? Like, what can you even do? Companies can build voice skills and you have to download them through the Alexa app. And you said skills? Yeah, skill. For this example, it's like a video like, game. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And the skills like, oh, your bot can do this when you, the user says this. Uh, so that's a skill. And that's a limitation in itself because no one wants to download an app. No one wants to download a skill. And that's why it's so hard for people to use voice right now. And that's why things like chatbots are working really well because it's super easy to get a user into a chatbot flow compared to a voice flow. So, what do I mean by that? For something like a messenger bot, uh, you can acquire users from Facebook ads, landing pages, embedding the messenger button, and all that good stuff. But with voice, it's super complicated because there's that friction of downloading the app and to download the skill. So that's why it's very limiting for consumers to use voice. But I think in the next couple months or so, there should be a way to be able to bring in new customers to your voice app without them having to download an app. Interesting. And what about AR? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think AR just enhances the experience of products. Mm-hmm. I think AR is very useful for wearables. So for example, clothing brand for watches and things like that, or things that are around your house that customers can see. So AR basically allows them to get a feel, shape and size of the product before they even buy it. I think Shopify has done a really great job with their AR platform where basically you go on their website for the partners that are qualified, they have built AR experiences. I think they have a company called Pure Cycles that sells bikes. And basically you can click on a button and open your camera and it can show you how that bike looks like. I feel so behind right now. (laughs) (laughs) So in terms of voice and AR, are you actively building campaigns for clients around those mediums right now? Are you still focusing a bit more on chatbots, but just understanding that that's where things are going? So we're doing some stuff with AR, but I can talk about which client it is, but it's going to be something great that I'll be sharing uh, very cool. soon. We'll have to have you back on. <laughs> yeah. So I think AR definitely is amazing. I like to use AR with Facebook Messenger. AR for Messenger is not released yet. It's still in beta, but we have partners that we use for that. Mm-hmm. But it provides another level of customer experience. For example, like when we take a look at the Sephora bot where you can go in, interact with the bot and they show you different types of makeup that they have and you can actually try them on. You open your camera, it shows your face and it can put different types of lipstick on your face and you can actually see what the product looks and feels like right from your living room before even buying the product. So it just like enhances the customer experience. That's why I think AR is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So just two more questions for you, Ari. Along the lines of client campaigns, I know that there's a lot that you probably can't share, but is there like a favorite 
conversational commerce campaign that you've built for a client that you just like to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things that we've done for one of our clients is actually designing the bot itself. And what that does is uh, increases the engagement rate. What do you mean by that? Yeah, an example that you can look at is a Lego bot, right? Where they had a graphic designer illustrate the bot and they've created GIFs out of the bot. You have to like... Have you had a chance to play with the Lego bot? No, I haven't, but I just wrote it yeah, down. You should, uh, yeah, you should try it out. But we have like a physical illustration of the bot itself. And it kind of feels more personal that you're talking to a person. And every time you interact with it, we send you like gifts of the bot. And it's like different emotions, like the bot is laughing, you know, like it's okay. sad and things like that. And that has increased the engagement by at least 50%. And wow. people are... So we did it for a glitter company. And one of the things that happened is that kids will actually come into the bot and they would say something like, hey, I don't have any money right now, but I'll buy the product later. And this is like a bot that they're talking to. And that has really helped increase our engagement rate. And this is like one of the most engaged bot that we've built for a cosmetic brand that we work with. That's very cool. And you know, I'm sure it's because it makes it more human. So yeah. <laughs> you're just kind of taking the technology available and going a step further there. That's really cool. So Ari, last question. This has been amazing. You know, if you were an e-commerce company and you hadn't dove into conversational commerce yet, what's the first thing that you would do? What's the first type of flow that you would implement in Messenger? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think one thing that is important to like know is that e-commerce chatbots have been around for a while and chatbots overall have been around for more than two decades. And we've seen that chatbots work best for e-commerce use cases. And one of the things that is very important before starting is you need to figure out what your strategy is. So we work off of a plan called strategize, build, measure, and optimize. So the first thing is you need to figure out what, what, what the strategy is. Yeah, what you're <laughs> And there are four ways you can play around with e-commerce chatbots. So the first thing is customer experience. So building an amazing pre-purchase experience to prime your customers before selling to them. The next thing is customer acquisition, building a series of sequences inside your bot to recover abandoned carts on your website mm -hmm. or selling inside of Facebook Messenger. Third thing is customer retention. So maybe sending out receipts through Facebook Messenger and then following up to get a review out of the customer or upsell them. And the last thing is customer service, actually using an AI bot to take care of your common customer service issues. Mm -hmm. And then powering that with live chat, which is very important because I know a lot of people build bots and just leave it to the bot to take care of everything. <laughs> but right. that's not the right way to do it. You need to have an actual person <laughs> yep. uh, so that when the bot fails, they're able to help that person. Otherwise, you're going to yeah. get a lot of people I upset. Mean, we have humans answer phones. We should mm -hmm. have an option to pass over to a human for customer service questions. Yeah. And once you figure out what you want to optimize for, is it customer experience, customer acquisition, customer retention, or customer service, I recommend right. starting with at least one of those and then building on top. I think the mistake that most people make is they try to build everything at once. Right. Or they, you know, go for acquisition and trying to just make Messenger work as an acquisition channel. Yeah. And although that can work, you got to figure some other stuff out first, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Messenger <laughs> can live at every step of the journey, but that's a huge mistake I see people making too. Yeah. Usually people who go for just customer acquisition are the ones that end up spamming the 
users to try to yes. get them to buy, 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 and then they end up getting their account shut down. One more thing I want to talk with you about, this just came to mind, and this has come from some client experience that I've had, where people have hired me to do Messenger for them. And, you know, they're expecting ROI, right? Or, or yeah. you know, <laughs> ROAS. <laughs> from Messenger. And I totally understand that, you know, as direct response marketers, which I think most of our perpetual traffic listeners are, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And, you know, I definitely run ads with a direct response mindset in most situations. But I think Messenger, you definitely can make money through Messenger, right? There's no question there. But for me, when people ask me or a client is holding Messenger to a success metric like ROI, that can be pretty frustrating for me because I don't think that metric is doing the channel justice, right? Right. Because like you said, there's so many touch points in the customer journey where you can use Messenger that some of those touch points don't necessarily have measurable revenue, right? And so also the fact that you have to remember as a business, when you're building out your Messenger strategy, this is a new communication channel. This is a new, essentially a new asset for your business, right? And so it's so much more than just, I put $5,000 this week into messenger ads and I made, you know, $10,000 back. You're building a subscriber list, you're building engagement, you're helping customers that wouldn't have gotten their question answered as fast as they did. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted your feedback on that because I think people, especially marketers that aren't as in this as we are and see the opportunity sometimes they can just measure it in a way that I don't think does justice to the entire marketing channel. Yeah, that's something that I totally agree with. And being in the e-commerce space, that's something that I get all the time where brand comes to us, they come to us and they're expecting Messenger to basically become their Jesus and save their revenue. And I'm like, how much money are we going to make? (laughs) I'm like, no, this is not, I mean, you definitely can generate revenue, for example, with a car recovery, but Messenger is more like an investment where you're building a list of people that are interested in your product that you can sell to over time. So here's the thing with Messenger, like the list does buy, but it just takes time to nurture. And if a client isn't willing to spend time and money to nurture the list, then I don't want to take them on. And one thing that I always tell them is, which I got this from Ryan Dice at the <laughs> Messenger Marketing Conference, is that the bot acts as a filter and it's supposed to help you pretty much direct the user down a conversion path and it's yeah. not there to sell to the user. Um, so that's something that we take to heart and works really well. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Like if you're looking for ROI, then I'll recommend you do something else like Facebook yeah. ads. Yeah. Facebook ads direct to your website or to a pre-sale article or to, you know, whatever your strategy is, everything we talk about on this podcast, it still works. You know, yeah. <laughs> you can still do direct response marketing through Facebook ads and you can still make money through messenger. It's just a much bigger beast than something that's as easily measured by a metric like ROI. So, yeah. And I think like some people, like when they try to focus on acquisition they try to get into messenger bots because it's the hot thing to do right now and they try to like run facebook ads to messenger and you open the messenger 
ad and then it just like a form. Let me guess. They send you directly to the website. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why don't you just like skip the messenger part and just send exactly. me directly to the site? Right. Like, it's, yeah, it's like, guys, you're defeating the purpose, right? The purpose yeah. of messenger is that this is where the consumer wants to have the conversation, right? So right. eventually if you need to send them over to a URL, great, but not right now. <laughs> Give them what they want in the place that they want to consume it. Exactly. So they just like add an extra step because they're trying to convert the customer right away. And other things that they do is, let's say you're going for lead generation, they take you from Facebook ad to Facebook Messenger. And then instead of like collecting the information in Messenger, they just send you to another <laughs> website where you put in your information. And that definitely just like defeats the purpose of using Messenger um, yeah. at all because it's supposed to be a channel where you're having one-on-one conversations with your customers to the point where you've built a relationship with them and then they're ready to purchase and they do make the purchase in that inside messenger or you can then send them to your site. So yeah, I completely agree. Messenger simply as a channel is not going to fix any marketing issues, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same conversation. It's just a different medium. And yeah. I think that's what people should understand. And adding to that too, like I think people are just like focused just on messenger. I like to go with an omni-channel approach. So let's say like mm -hmm. tomorrow WhatsApp or iMessage or SMS opens up, then you want to also be there. I think it's very All important it. to <laughs> marketers, yeah, marketers and like brands to understand that you need to be everywhere and you need to aim to like serve your customers whenever and wherever they are almost yeah. instantly. So don't just think about Oh, just messenger. Uh, you need to also think about how do I uh, apply voice? If a new channel comes out for a conversation of commerce, how can I also leverage that? Totally agree. Go to the place where your customers are. So, so important. Ari, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. <laughs> I appreciate you. I admire you. I'm so impressed by everything that you've accomplished, but mostly just staying humble and being genuine. That's what matters most to me. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys, this has been episode 176 with Ari Baga talking all about his story about building a conversational commerce agency. You can check Ari out at R-O-A-S dot L-Y. And we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. John Moran here. Q1 is closing and it probably didn't go as well as you'd hoped. I'm sure your agency is telling you that they crushed it, but in reality, it probably crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you, or if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what, go to tier11.com forward slash apply. That's tier11.com forward slash apply. And we'll get set up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make agencies look good.